Alexa, what is the best podcast in the land? Here's pulling back the curtain podcast registered from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. This podcast is sponsored by Sumato Coffee. Sumato Coffee believes that coffee should be unique and high quality from bean to cup. Beyond that, it starts to become stale. At Sumato Coffee, they're incredibly concerned and transparent about when your coffee is roasted. That's why they put the roast date right on the bag. Pulling Back the Curtain podcast listeners receive a 20% discount off their order by using promo code BALLERSCOFFEE. To learn more about Sumato Coffee, please visit them at sumatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. What's happening, people, and what you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest, baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, hitting with the rawest opinion while giving you the straight-up facts. No fake news here. I'm Jules. Oppress. We give sight to the blind, ladies and gentlemen. Alexa, what is the baddest podcast in the land? Here's Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast registered from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. This podcast is sponsored by Sumato Coffee. Sumato Coffee believes that coffee should be unique and high quality from bean to cup, and that coffee is best two to 14 days after it's been roasted. Beyond that, it starts to become stale. At Sumato Coffee, they're incredibly concerned and transparent about when your coffee is roasted. That's why they put the roast date right on the bag. Pulling Back the Curtain podcast listeners receive a 20% discount off their order by using promo code BALLERSCOFFEE. To learn more about Sumato Coffee, please visit them at sumatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. People, what's happening and what you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest, baddest podcast in the land. We're coming with the dopest topics, hitting with the rawest opinion while giving the straight up facts. No fake news here. I'm Jules. Press. We give insight to the blind, ladies and gentlemen. On this episode, we are joined by Raymond Betts, founder of Collective Minds, as we pull back the curtain on rebuilding Chicago's inner city and much, much more. Press, what's popping, baby? Man, Jules, how you doing, man? Oh, man, it's been a busy week, but as long as I got Jesus, I'm always winning, man. There you go. You got to have somebody out here. You got Jesus, I got Smith and Wesson. So I think we both covered. (laughs) Damn right. (laughs) Yes, sir. I had a a funny story. Okay, what you got? Did you have Steve buy a car? You know what? He just bought one. Oh, man, I forgot the name of the place he went to. It's the one with the cars is like on this this little machine where you purchase it and it drive line, drive time or something. Oh, he you with the drive time. I got you. It one of those. So he got some. He got like a Ford Fusion. I think he ended up getting a Ford Fusion. Steve, you too damn big to be driving a Ford Fusion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's saying it's good on gas, like forty miles per hour. Uh, uh, you know, on gas and stuff. Did he get a computer for buying that Ford Fusion? Remember back in the day, they used to give you a free laptop. I'm not sure. I got to ask. I don't, I don't think so now. But he finally got a car. He so he got, got a car. Years. So he so he cruising. He got yeah. a little way to get around. Yeah. Next Dude. time we all hanging out, y'all ain't going to be an hour late because y'all ain't got to be picking everybody in the world up. So no, that's cool. That's cool. Yep. Then he can come over here and grab me. I can I can get chauffeured around sometime. Yeah, because that never happened. You always used to be the driver. 
Mm-hmm. Oh. Hey, Steve. Hey, congrats, man. <laughs> hey, Steve. Congratulations, man. I know, I know he's happy. And I don't, I don't know. Like, between you and Steve and that fusion, who else going to fit in that shit? Hey, prayers, we're going to get you up in there, man. Man, please. You know, I'm claustrophobic. Y'all too big in there, man. I couldn't sit in that car with y'all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where we get, you have the whole backseat to yourself. Yeah, you'll be good, man. I'll be back to having a panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> but no, all jokes aside, that's, that's what's up, Steve. Good shit, man. Good shit. Because I'm glad it worked out. Because I know when you was on the last episode, you were talking about how he was trying to get that Acadia. So I'm glad it worked out. Man, but check this out, dude. What's up? <laughs> I went to Best Buy last week. I went to go pick up one of them fire sticks. Because I wanted to watch that Justice League. That four-hour <laughs> Justice League. Have you seen yeah. it? Nah, man. You know I don't get into that stuff. Oh, I've been seeing everybody talking bad. about it, though. Everybody be talking about four man, hours, Four hours? Listen, the wife and I, we went to Red Lobster, took it to go. Okay. We got back to that den. I turned it on, hooked everything up. I watched it in one, one setting. Now, she, she went to sleep. But that's fine because I'm in. I'm into it. Yeah. Well, shit. She had too many of them damn red lobster biscuits. Cheddar <laughs> biscuits are good, man. I'm telling you, that's why she went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's. I'm walking to the. I'm walking in the parking lot. I'm hearing people screaming from Best Buy parking lot. Oh, I'm hearing boy. somebody screaming, and I'm like, man, you know, I'm off, so I'm just chilling. I'm walking to my car, and of course, they're right behind my car, and I'm like, damn. So. The dude was like, excuse me, sir. And I was like, shit. <laughs> so he asked me, sir, when you're driving, when you see a pedestrian, what do you do? Okay. And I'm like, uh, I said, what, what happened? And he was like, my daughter's driving. It's a green light, but a pedestrian still walking across. And she said she got the right of way. And I looked at her. I said, baby girl, even though it's green, listen, tree pedestrians, they, they own it. Uh-huh. They own it now. Just be careful. You don't want to tap this person, this person die, and then you sit up there behind bars like, damn, what happened? Listen, it's just, hey, pedestrian got the right of way. Let them hurry up and cross and stuff like that, and you'll be good to go. And then I left. I'm like, man, what did, man, okay. Because he was just going off on her, man. I know she felt embarrassed. You know what? Sometimes it be like that, man. These kids don't want to know. I love how they they pulled you into it. Like, hey, rules of the road, guy. Come here. <laughs> yeah, I'm like... <laughs> Man, I'm like, man, I'm like, damn, I hope I don't have to like call nobody to handle this. But it was like, yeah, okay. If father just trying to let her know, listen, it's dangerous out here. You can really kill somebody. Listen, just let them just even though you got the green light, just let them walk past. That's all. Because this is the thing, man. These kids don't realize with these cars, man. They they just want to jump in the car. I mean, we was young, right? We want to be around, want to be seen driving. But man, this these cars, man, they kill. You know, and that's the thing that oh, yeah. you know, a lot of these kids, they gotta realize that stuff, man. I mean, it took us a while to get to that point. It's tough. He try all he tried to do is give her a little knowledge. So hopefully, uh, she'll yeah. learn from it. Yeah, I think she got it because he was on ten. And you sit over there just like, man, I'm just trying to go back and eat this red lobster and watch this damn uh, Justice League. Ooh, mm-hmm. Cheddar biscuits. Mm. Well, no, I, I saw a bunch of people on Twitter. They were all talking about it, giving their reactions, and they was like, man, what you think about that? I said, I think that I can find something else to do in my four hours. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> damn. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm going to bite you over here and we're going to watch. I can watch that thing again, man. That's all right. As, as long as there's going to be some red lobster over there, I'll come through. All right, cool. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> my man. My man. 
Well, dude, man, uh, let's get into some of these mailbag questions, man. And I'm really excited for the, the guest that we got coming on today, our brother Raymond Bats. Audience, this is a guy that we went to high school with, man. We go way back with him. So this mm-hmm. is going to be a real fun episode. So we're looking forward to chopping it up with our brother Ray. Mailbag questions time. First okay. one, Jules, comes over from one of our listeners, and they wanted to know, what is our biggest regrets in life? So I'm going to kick this over to you, Jules, and then let you Damn. hit it. They've been getting deep with us, haven't they, lately, these damn questions. Oh, My man. Goodness. These questions. Here, I'm sitting up at the whole back tears, and, and 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 I got repenting at night and this and that. I'm man. Like, man. He, he over there clutching that rosary. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the four, four Hail Marys and five Our Fathers and stuff, man. It's like, man. man. So the biggest regret, man, is, you know, our partner, Joe. I wish I'd spend more time with Joe. That's a fair point, yeah. You know, I, I just, I didn't know. We went, my wife and I, we went to go see him. And he said that, you know, we we, we prayed over him. And he looked at us like, man, I'm not dying. I think about it and I'm like, man, I just wish I'd have told Joe I loved him. But prayers, I had a dream, maybe a couple weeks after he passed. And it seemed like this dream seemed so for real. And Joe was in it. And he was huge. He was like, he was huge. He was beautiful. And, and he wasn't wearing his glasses and, and he was swole. And he told me, he said, he said, I'm okay. And that right there just, just helped me, man. And that was just good, man. So the biggest regret of my life is just telling Joe, I love them and wish I spent more time with them. That's all. No, I, dude, that's, that's a hell of a one. That's a hell of a one. I was going to say for mine, I'm going to keep it pretty short and to the point. What Jules was saying, man, that one, that that's, that's a goal for me hurting people that only wanted to love me and just for me to love them in return. Mm. That's probably just largely due to a lot of my own unaddressed trauma from growing up and childhood and just some of the things that I've talked about and share with the audience on the show. Sometimes, man, you don't know some of the trauma and pain that you carry around as a person. And then a lot of times that pain, you don't even know, but you're hurting other people around you. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think that that's for me, probably one of the biggest uh, regrets that I had in life, because even if you're unintentionally hurting people, you're still hurting them at the end of the day. So I would just say, for me, you know me, Jules, I'm going to keep it 100 on this podcast, man. I, I'm i still a work in progress as a man, and I strive each day to be better. And, and I think that's just kind of where I leave it there. But that, that would say that would be my biggest regret in life. Well, that's a good one, man. And everybody everybody's could raise a hand on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a passive mindset said, uh, you're never straight until they straight down the front in, the, in that coffin. So we all are work in progress, man. So, so yes, you, you're good, Perez. Yes, sir. My man. Appreciate you, man. I'm still coming over for that Red Lobster, so. <laughs> I guess. <you. laughs> all right, Jules. So we got another question from one of our listeners. They wanted to know, what were our first jobs? So I'm going to kick this over to you. You know, my first job, it was working with my father during the summertime when I was in high school. It's called Naco Chemical Company. It's just a warehouse job where they fill up a whole bunch of chemicals and putting stuff. I put a hose in a big container, fill it up and put on the next one and the next one. So it was just something, a little, a little part-time gig I had in summer, just had a little money so I can go out and, you know, buy some ice cream or go somewhere, man, you know. How, how much was they paying you over there at Nalco? Maybe a couple hundred bucks a week. It was something good for me because, you know, I wasn't doing nothing but sitting around in some time. My father was like, hey, we got a summer program for their kids and stuff like that. You want to work in and stuff? So I did it. My older brother did it. And, you know, it gives us a little, little money in, in, our, in our pockets. I know he was happy because he ain't got to give us no allowance no more. So he was that's like, why hey. he, that's why he told y'all about it. He like, yeah. get him out of my pocket. He gave himself a raise for the, during the summer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. He said, man, you know what? 
I appreciate that because it teaches teaches me at an early age, hey, go out there and, and work. You know, say a man don't work, don't eat. So hey, get out there and work. You know, you're hitting that age now. Hey, you're gonna have you're gonna have to do this. So you might as well get used to it. So I appreciate it. See, that's what's up, man. See, pops, they always they always got you, man. They always got you. Those those are lessons that yeah. man, you'll be able to pass down. Cause it's 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 real talk right there. That your little brother, did he work there too in the summer? He did not, but he ended up going with my mom to her job for a couple Saturdays, and she would pay him. Okay, I don't know. Uh, I think like you know fifty bucks something like that, but just just a few hours to get him, you know, say acclimated too. So yep, there you go. I like that. I like that. So for me, and you know, with me playing football and running track and all that kind of stuff, man, I mm-hmm. ain't really have all that much time to be working, but. I did have a holiday job when I was a junior in high school. So this was like in like November, December, January, that kind of time frame. And I was a holiday mm-hmm. gift wrapper at JCPenney at uh, Forest City Mall. Uh, I remember. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so, dude, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you one thing, man. That job was good for me, man, because like, dude, I'm one of the best gift wrappers in, in the history of gift wrappers. I'm not even just saying that you can ask anybody, bro. I will wrap that shit up in like two seconds and that shit be fire. And the one oh, thing nice. I'll say... You'll get really good at gift wrapping real quick when a grandma comes for you for messing up her damn gift for her grandkid. Because that happened to me. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> you know what that lady said to me? She said, uh, what is wrong with this boy? Get somebody over here and redo this thing. And I was so embarrassed. I'm like, man, I'm going to have to learn how to do this bow. Because my bow game at that oh, point, it was, it was trash. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Man. At that, at that time, she came. She clowned me, Jules. She clowned me. Hey, you know what? I need to come over and get some lessons because I just slapped that thing on, put a little bow, and that's it. The that's little sticky right. bows. You, oh, you put the little you sticky little thing, thing on there. On. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that thing get all smashed up. Here you go. Merry Christmas. <laughs> there you go. Don't matter about the bow. Just unwrap it. You're good. Was you getting good tips, too? Definitely gave some tips because I was only making like $5.75 an hour. So one thing is, though, if, they, if they like the service... The uh-huh. ladies are there be like, hey, would you mind, you know, taking it out to the car? So I'm like, of course. Because when they, whenever they ask you to do that, you're like, okay, they about to hit me with something. Because of all them cameras oh, nice. be up in there in that store. So, you know, you don't want to get caught taking no, taking no tip and nothing like that. Because if they were trying to give it to me on the floor, I'd be like, oh, no, 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 thank you. You know, I pre- I'm just doing this because, uh, you know, the goodness of my heart. Even I'd be like, man, why you didn't ask me to take this box out <laughs> to your car? <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you'd be like, you know what, miss? I can take this out to your car if you want me to. Because <laughs> because at that point, I mean, they the camera, you know, that eye in the sky, they already have seen it. I'm like, man, that's not nice. even working. Go ahead, just next. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first uh, first job, man. Cool, man. I like that, man. Sir. <laughs> All right. Last mailback question, Jules, is what song describes your current mindset? I like this question. I really like this question. Press, <laughs> press, don't laugh at me. What, what I'm about to say. I don't laugh, bro. Unless you talk about Justice League again. This song here is Morris Day in the Time called Cool. Them lyrics, that beat and stuff. When I walk up in the room, man, or where I'm walking or wherever place I go, man, that, that song's in my head, man. That's what that's my well, that's the song that's in my mindset right now. So it's Morris Day in the Time, cool. Now, people, if you don't know that that song, go ahead and YouTube it, Google it or whatever, or whatever device you can listen to it. Go ahead, turn it on. You're gonna be like, okay, man, my man's smooth right there. So Jules, he, he probably lived those lyrics in his head about having that penthouse in Manhattan. <laughs> oh, yeah. What do you say? I got you a know, penthouse and, and, in Manhattan and two more in Malibu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and two more in Malibu, yep. 
Hey, 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 I'm speaking it. I'm speaking it. I respect it. I ain't gonna make fun of that. That's some cool ass shit. That's just your persona. That's your personality, man. Shit. Why would I cool? Why would I uh, clown that? I love it. I love Morris Day. But if but you know what, I will say this, man. I know you know people sometimes with you were Prince, but I get it, man. Them dudes got some swag, man. Prince, I know why we, hey, man. I know why we collabed on this thing here, and we've been we've been cool and brothers ever since nineties, early nineties, man. Yes, sir. <laughs> I rock with Morris Day. That's a good one, bro. That's a good one. Mine is, uh, and I think I told you guys a while back that Jay Z is probably one of my favorite, you know, rappers. Not my top of all time, but one of my favorites. He's got this okay. song called Legacy on his 444 album. I love that one because that kind of sums up my mindset, and also some of the things that we've been doing on this show. Because this song really just talks about the rebirth of Black Wall Street. Because one of okay. the lyrics of the song, he says, "My parents ain't have shit." So that shift starts with me. And mm. I always talk about that on this pod is the fact that, hey, my mother and grandmother, they can only do so much, you know, but guess what? That hard work mm-hmm. and that work ethic and things like that, I picked up from that and I took that. And now I'm like, okay, now the responsibility is on me to now go out here and be an example, right? So I just think that song right there just kind of fits where I'm at right now. And it hits so damn hard. And the one thing that I would just say for anybody out here, especially my people of color, we got to work together. We got to support one another. We can create our own Wall Street again. We've already shown you that we've done it once, right? Your values is not what you've done financially, but wisdom, advice, and just spreading love. So for me, that song right there just encapsulates kind of where I'm at right now. So 444 album, oh, Jay-Z's Legacy, baby. Damn, good one right there, man. I like that one. Yes, sir. On the last episode, you and I was giving our love for the University of Illinois and this NCAA tournament. Uh, and you mm-hmm. said it that, hey, <laughs> I don't know if following my heart's a, such a good idea. And I was over here like, no, man, you good. Don't even worry about the Jews. ILL, I was all that shit. And then Loyola came in there and they stomped all over them boys. Stomped all over them boys. Man, man what the damn, hell happened? It was that damn lady. Sister Jean, huh? Sister Jean. She pulled it off for him. Man, you know what? Big P hit me up and he was like, well, forget about that bracket. And I said, why, what happened? I'm going to work at the time. I'm getting ready. So I wasn't even, you know, I didn't even pay attention. Yeah. And he said, yeah, Illinois is losing. I said to Loyola, And he said, yep. And he said, losing bad. And right. I'm watching the highlights and stuff. And I'm like, oh man, they, they trapped them boys. They were trapping them. But let me just tell you this. For anybody okay. that watches basketball, we probably got some hoop fans that, that listen to this show. Look at that office that Loyola was running. That was some shit that you probably saw high school teams running. And Illinois couldn't figure that shit out. I'm sitting here like, man, where were the adjustments by the Illinois coach? Because he got out coached. I'm sorry. He got out coached. <laughs> Fucking dribble handoffs and backdoor cuts. <laughs> shit. <laughs> oh, man. Hey they, hey, they killed him with the old school, the playground. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, it was old school basketball right there. And Illinois wasn't ready. They weren't ready, bro. And that's the thing, too. I'm going to tell you this. Moral of the story, Jules. When it comes to sports, don't follow your heart. Right, man. Hey, Prez, you heard me. I was like, I don't know, but I'm going to say it. You were saying it. I was over here like, no, you good. Don't even think like that, man. Tell me next time. Shut up, Prez. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, but you know, this year, this this bracket here, I mean, I know what I'm going to do next year. Next year, I'm going to have two. I'm going to have my little regular picks. I'm thinking, okay. And then I'm going to have an underdog uh, bracket. And just put everybody who who was like who ranked, you know, what I'm saying lower. I'm just make them win it. Just make them go all the way. 
So yeah, you're gonna have a bunch of fucking upsets on one bracket, and then the other one you're gonna yeah. have like, yeah. That's what a lot of people be doing. They be having multiple brackets. I just do the one. I'm oh, like, yeah, okay. You know but you know what? This is that's a smart idea. Because it's been nothing but upsets in this damn tournament. My goodness, it's been a bunch of upsets. All these upsets got us upset. I ain't seen that much red in my life, bro. I looked at my brackets, all the lines scratched. I'm like, damn, this thing is ugly. Jesus. Mm-mm. I'm going to watch because Loyola, they play it today, actually, you know, at 1.30. So at the time of this recording, this is Saturday. So Loyola will be playing. We'll see some Sister Jean shots on, probably mm-hmm. most of the game. They're going to they gonna pan to her over there. And she be keeping her mask on. So shout out to you, Sister Jean. Oh, good, good, good one. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, Loyola, go all the way, man. Go all the way. Wish you luck. I ain't going to lie to you. I, I definitely, after they beat Illinois, I put like uh, 200 on, on Loyola to, to win the tournament. So we'll see what happens. It was some good odds. So we'll oh, see good. what happens there. Good. Let's do this, Sister Jean. I'm rolling with you. Let's go. Well, audience, without further ado, we want to introduce one of our brothers, Raymond Bass, to the discussion. Man, this is a guy that Jules and I go way back. Good brother here. Real. Like, one quick story about Ray, man, before we bring him in here. Y'all know I don't give compliments too easily with people, but... When we first started this podcast, we didn't know what the hell we were doing. It was just like a venture. We said, you know what? I feel like we got some shit to say to people. They might want to hear about it, right? And we, you know, we kind of threw stuff against the wall, see what was going to stick. But Mm -hmm. when we had probably five to ten listeners, this guy right here was one of the first people that took our podcast and shared it with his network of people and his influence. And I thought that was like so real because there's people that I've been rocking with probably longer than I've been rocking with Ray. If they've shared their shit, I don't know nothing about it. And that's all I'm going to say. Without further ado, audience, we got Raymond Bats on the show with us today. Ray, talk to him. What's going on, people? Welcome to Pulling Back the Curtain podcast hosted by the awesome and amazing Prez and Jules. Thank you so much, Prez, for that uh, introduction that you gave me, brother. Thank you. And I meant that, man, because that was real shit, man. When you when you did that for us, that that helped us to kind of get on the on the radar in Chicago, you know, with your audience there on your show. And we really mm-hmm. appreciated that, man. Thank you so much. Looking at some of the moves that you've been making over the course of the years. And that's why we wanted to have you on this show today, man, because you've been doing a lot in the community. You've been doing a lot of things individually. What we do on this show, educate and empower, you know, our people and other people too, right? And so we felt like, man, you would be a voice that our audience would definitely resonate with, man. So thanks for jumping on with us today. Hey, it is Thank my you, pleasure, brother. Man, so what you been up to, man? What's what's new with you? Man, you know, like, uh, of course, um, a lot of people have been suffering during the whole pandemic and everything. I've been one of the people that's been coming up during it. Because, like, uh, the thing is, the pandemic, at the very beginning... I told a a business associate of mine, I said, this is the era of small business. And I had no idea what I was saying at that time. Man, so many grant opportunities, opportunities for growth of business have opened up. I've taken advantage of a lot of it, man. And it's definitely, definitely helped me financially and everything, you know? And I mean, that's a good point that you bring up because I think this is the time for the small business because everybody now is on the whole campaign of support small business, right? Because we saw uh, so many small businesses that were affected last year during the pandemic. Yep. And so for you, 
a lot of these opportunities that you're that you're finding, or these things that you're seeking out on your own, like kind of talk to us a little bit about how you've kind of come to find out about some of these opportunities with grants and how it's helped you thrive in your businesses. Well, basically, um, the way I came across a lot of different grant opportunities, uh, the first one was, of course, the EIDL that opened up last year. Yep. I applied for it for my for-profit and my non-profit. My non-profit was able to get a thousand. I applied for 10, but they denied the application but gave it a thousand. Mm-hmm. But I actually got the reconsideration this year. So I'm waiting. That's actually pending. I'm waiting to see if they're going to get my nonprofit the other 9,000 because it's definitely going to come in handy because I, I don't know if you brothers remember uh, Team Summit when we was in uh, yep. high school. Yep. Yeah, Team Summit, yeah. Well, I'm actually getting ready to launch a Team Summit program through my nonprofit. Very Good. similar to that, but I think it's going to be way better with the different resources I have access to. One of the radio personalities that... um. I brought on board with my nonprofit. She already runs a youth program. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. I want you to do your magic, but just do it under the umbrella of the nonprofit. Let's get this in position to walk pay your salary. Talk to us a little bit more about the uh, what you're going to be doing with this team summit. What's the age range and then what, what's the population that we're looking to serve here? Well, pretty much uh, the population within the Chicagoland area, uh, so inner city, suburb, Age range anywhere from 12 to 18. Okay. Typically, like we have different topics that I want to cover each show. So we want to record it. We'll record each session. We want to have, like, the way we got it written up so far is for the first half, we have 50 students, second half, have 50. That way we can still practice social distancing, but we want to reach 100 per mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. And we want to have experts from d- of different topics up there each week. Right now, we're probably going to do it on a monthly basis, some other streaming service eventually. The bottom line, I just want to get it launched, start reaching out to these kids because, um, you know, these kids, they've been going through a lot. And, you know, a lot of times uh, I'm guilty of this. I wonder, like, man, uh, what's wrong with them? Why, why don't... Why aren't they like us? You know, they came up in a different era. They came up in the digital age. Yep. Actually, like the Teen Summit is actually also kind of uh, in re- remembrance of my godson, one of our other old fellow reader brothers, uh, Chris Townsend. Yep. Yeah. Yes, sir. His son uh, committed suicide last March. Oh, no. So, you know, um, like that's another thing I want to touch on and start giving these kids an outlet, you know, mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. where they could go talk about their issues and realize that they're not alone with it. You know what I mean? That's basically the whole goal. I just want to start reaching them with, uh, like, help them with, like, want to talk to them about how's the pandemic affected you? How's it affected your mental health? How's mm-hmm. it affecting your grades? How's e-learning working for you? And then eventually start leading them into like job opportunities, business opportunities, educate them on the rule of 72, how money works, all that type of stuff, you know? Oh, talk, yeah, Ray spitting. All right, my man. (laughs) Well, you brought up so much stuff there. I want to unpack because I want our audience, because man, Ray about to, he's he's about to come in and hit you guys with some things. One thing that I touch on a lot on this show, Ray, is about the disconnect our generation has with some of the kids because you're right. 
from a distance, sometimes we look at them and judge them without actually taking the time to understand what these kids are uh, dealing with, the type of world that they live in, because they are in more of a digital world than we were when we came up. We came up in a very slower pace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that when me, I, you know, and Jules knows this, you know, I do a lot of mentor work with, with the kids. And sometimes I even find myself like kind of like looking like sideways, like, man, what the hell are these? What, what are they on? But I think it's important to take a step back <laughs> and try as best you possible as you can kind of understand their current situation and where they are in life because they faced a lot of pressures. And I would say probably more pressures than the three of us faced when we were their ages. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I would definitely agree because especially with the social media, every like social media, it basically is to sell a lifestyle that you really don't have. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. now like these kids are uh, going through cyberbullying, they're looking at their friends, look like their friends are living it up when they're not living it up, you know? No, no. no. But um, that, like they're thinking it, that they're kind of depressed because they want to live their lifestyle whole time and live a better lifestyle than their friends. But we came up and like you said, a slower pace. We didn't have all this digital. They were just really getting the internet off the ground. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So, right. It's definitely very different for them. And we definitely have to address different issues that's going on with it. Because one thing that you brought up is the fact of the social pressure, right? So not only do we have the cyberbullying, but we have the clout chasing that we're seeing with this generation that we didn't have. I mean, when we were coming up, I mean, yeah, we had a couple of cats that might've had some Jordans or whatever. And you were like, okay, that's mm-hmm. cool. He's, he's doing his thing. But you didn't feel no pressure that like you had to have no Jordans, right? But right. in this generation, they all feel like they need to have the Jordans, they need to have this and that and everything else. They want to take videos wearing somebody else's clothes and watches. Like it's a whole different phenomenon with this generation. <laughs> it definitely is. And social media is definitely to blame for it. You know, like social media is a great tool, but at the same time, it can be misused a lot of times too. Uh-huh. Yeah. Even even definitely. by adults. Even yeah, by adults. Definitely misleading. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So no, I, I love to hear what you what you're speaking to about what your team sum is going to do because that speaks to a lot of things that we talk about here. This pandemic has had a lot of negative effects on kids when it comes to e-learning. We Jules and I did an episode where we talked about how that gap has widened even more, and we already know that these inner city schools already suffer from lack of resources and all type of things. Think about now; these kids are just being further left behind, and so those are the things that I really love that your organization is going to be speaking to those kind of things and they're going to be doing that on the ground level. And I think that's going to be really important. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've been recruiting uh, different speakers. Um, we've had guests on the radio show to come along because basically like I'm looking for someone that's close to the age range of these kids that's on mm-hmm. a nice okay. success level to basically be the face or the mm-hmm. face is. Mm-hmm. I want to play the background on that. They ain't got to even see my face. Right, right. The only important thing they need to know is that Unified Legacy Inc. is running this program. <laughs> you know? There you go. Okay. There you go. <laughs> I respect that, man. So what else have you been up to, man? So it sounds like you got that going on. Have you been dabbling into property still? Or what's going on with that? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, like one uh, part of the business that did suffer for a bit was me and two business partners, we actually purchased a, a multi-unit property over in um, the Woodlawn area 
This was back in 2019. And okay. we ran across a lot of issues with it. Then we were working on getting the rest of the funding right before the pandemic launched. And that put everything to a halt. So thankfully, we've gotten the rest of the funding. Our contractor is starting to get the work back going over there. We even got a potential buyer lined up. So we're hoping to have that thing flip by before the end of the year, bro. Dude, I love that, man. You're totally right. I think during uh, there were parts during that pandemic that became tough for people that had projects. But if you look at right now in the housing market and the way it's going and the way the rates are, boy, these are jumping off right now. Yeah, that's what I was just talking to uh, my partner about uh, last week. He said, man, we could, we could sell this property for way more than we was trying to sell it for before. Mm-hmm. That's a huge benefit to us because we could make enough to where we could all walk away with a nice profit after paying all of the bills and loans that we took out for the property. Right. One thing I was going to ask you, what was the process that you guys undertook to even select that that property there in Woodlawn? Because when we talk to a lot of different, you know, people that are in the game investing, they all have different strategies. So what was kind of like your thought process beyond that specific property? The way I've kind of learned is to try to go off, go for off-the-market deals. Okay. Not anything listed. And then, mm, okay. but there's one dangerous thing with that. I mean, well, I wouldn't call it dangerous. I'll call it risky. The risk with that is whoever you're dealing with with it, you got to really have a great rapport with them and you got to really trust them because I got another business partner that's in Florida and he had this guy he worked and preferred us to, right? Mm-hmm. He actually helped us, help one of my business partners get the line of credit and the loan that we used to purchase the property. The guy he linked us with turned out to be a snake in the grass, straight snake in the grass. And I'm going to say his name on here. His name is Charles Wright. If you ever run into that brother on real estate, run away. <laughs> <laughs> so this is basically what Charles Wright did. Um he was trying to portray the image like he was trying to mentor us or whatnot because it was our first fist and flip. We did the walkthrough of the property. He's like, yeah, it probably only cost 15000 $20,000. We wasn't taking his word for it, though. We took a, a contract over there. But the contractor didn't properly assess it before we bought it. The mistake that we made, we was trying to save a little money and have the contractor also be the inspector. That would never happen again. If we would have got an inspector in that property, the inspector would have found the termite damage, would have found that the foundation wasn't sound in the basement, and we would have brought that price down way lower than what it was. So, like, the whole little crew pretty much was kind of like the owner of it. He was an investor from California. He probably never even seen the property or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, like... The only good thing about it, though, after we discovered all those things, the numbers were still good enough to we could walk away from a profit and the numbers are even better. So what I would say as far as like when it comes to like just speaking on all that, what I would say as far as coming like selecting the property, you could take a little more risk in the area where the numbers are really good. Okay. Now. Say, for instance, an area like where I, I have my property at in Inglewood, the mm-hmm. numbers are raising, but they're still kind of low. So you can't take as much risk here because you might lose out. Right. So you really, really got to do your due diligence. So whatever area you choose, 
go off of the numbers. If the numbers are really high, you have the chance to take a little more risk, but still always get an inspector, period. Okay. Always. Like have a professional in every type of field. Have the inspector, have the appraiser, have your general contractor, your plumber, your electrician. Make sure everybody's licensed and bonded. You shouldn't have any problems unless they're just uh, bad uh, business people, you know. But <laughs> I mean, you, you run across, say, you just got to kind of do your due diligence. What I typically like to do, I like to keep um, contingency plans. So I like to have five plumbers. So if the first plumber don't work, bring in plumber number two. Plumber number two don't work, bring in plumber number three. But you really don't want to have to do that. You want to stick with the same person because people don't like to come behind other people's work. But if that's what you got to do, that's what you have to do. Right. And I think, too, having those contingency plans in place keeps the project on time, because I think that's another thing, too, especially with the type of work that you and your team are doing. Time is money for you guys. It definitely is. We put so much money into that property. I, we did some numbers where I had to submit for a PPP loan. Okay. But not had to. I had the pleasure of submitting <laughs> for a PPP loan that I actually got approved for. And I'm going to use it towards that project. But I had to submit numbers, like invoices that I paid out back in um, 2019. I did not realize that I paid out $46,000 in invoices, brother. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Most of it was for that property. I was like, wow. <laughs> so speaking into that, because, Ray, we get a lot of people that'll hit us up because, you know, we do these kind of shows often. Can you talk through, because you mentioned the numbers and you mentioned that the invoicing, what are some of those costs? What do those things look like for you? As far as like um, how much it costs uh, for like a different job or whatnot, that's what you're uh, basically referring to? Yeah. Yep. Okay, yeah. So say, for instance, like the back part of the property, once we discovered that it was termite damage, yep, mm-hmm. it's going to cost anywhere from fifteen to 20000 for that, Ooh. which we already paid the guy, the contractor for. Mm-hmm. We just have to go okay. ahead and start to work. To get the basement foundation sound, that's going to be another ten to 15000 right there. Mm-hmm. So that's thirty to 35000 that we didn't even anticipate on having to put into the property right we thought we was gonna get in put up a few drywalls maybe mm-hmm. run some electricity <laughs> get, on, get <laughs> right. out no it's it's a real project but you know it's been very educational and i can say i'm glad that we went through it because we've learned so much about it like about this whole process by going through it because when i initially got in the real estate game i came in in 2016 where I was staying with my mom, helping her with her building and everything. Now, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's time for me to go ahead and launch this. So I was going to these different meetings of some uh, business affiliates of mine, and I was learning the whole concept of buying off the market or whatnot. I invested some money with them where they were supposed to get me a two-unit and a single family all at the same time. But the brother I was dealing with, like, he tends to take on projects and he don't have any idea how he's going to get it done and he don't have a plan in place Mm. and he Mm. dropped the ball so i ended up losing my money but what i did do i lined up a contingency plan always 
keep contingency plans when it comes to real estate. I lined up a contingency plan with a brother that I worked with at my old job at Method. And um, he lined me up with a similar deal. He said, well, you know, we got a property over there in Inglewood. I took a look at it. I wanted to buy over here anyway. Because, you know, I, I was originally born over here, moved over the back of the yards, and mm-hmm. I'm from this area. Right. And I wanted to buy over here because I know the gentrification that's coming. It's already here. Mm-hmm. I love the property. He worked with me, got the numbers down and everything. And then I was able to get a kickback after buying the property. So essentially, I got paid to buy the property. Ain't that something? That's a lot that people don't even know, Ray, with with real estate. People are afraid, but they got to educate themselves. And that's why I love doing shows like this with people like you that can talk to people about, listen, put yourself out there, go to some seminars and some classes, and get in the game. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. We used to, me and Brian, uh, me and Brian uh, Fleming, we used to host um, first-time homebuyer seminars. We'll put it out there, you know, maybe two or three people show up. We, like, we need more participation, but maybe we didn't do a be- good enough job of advertising it. Mm-hmm. We weren't mm-hmm. on the radio at the time either. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. That's something right now maybe you guys could look into, especially right now, especially now that you have you guys all over the waves right now. Yeah, we got that. And I, I got a, a program for the, uh, them uh, to get tenants, too, you know? See? No matter where they're at, because I recently partnered with an organization called All Chicago. Okay. The way I originally got in touch with them, last year, my former tenant that stayed in my first floor, he had got behind in his rent. Mm. I submitted an application for rental assistance for him. And he was able to get the rental assistance. All Chicago paid the rental assistance out. They paid all his back rent. So I said, okay, you got a clean slate now, brother. So he ended up moving out. All Chicago got back in touch with me through my nonprofit. And they said, you know, we'd like to partner with your nonprofit. How many units do you have? I said, well, I only have one available right now. However, I have an entire network of real estate professionals that I love to plug you with. So what All Chicago did was, uh, first off, what I did downstairs, I went downstairs. I had a paint job done which I hired some of my brothers uh, that I grew up with in the community, like put some money in their pocket. They went ahead, they did an amazing job down there. I changed the shower head, changed the toilet seat. Looked like a whole new apartment. Wow. Okay, Ray. Okay, Ray. (laughs) And before I was charging 1100 a month, I said, you know, I'm charging $1,250 now. That's right. I tried the program and they said, well, you know what? That's no problem because we'll we'll pay that rent as long as it's, under the top market value and the top market value in this area for a three-bedroom was 1500 I said, well, 1250 they pay their own lights and gas, water's included, alarm system is included. There's also got the alarm and camera company. So I, I, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, I got cameras all over this building, bro. <laughs> I got cameras <laughs> on, on the um, defensive flip, too. <laughs> as, as you should, brother. Yeah, yeah, you ain't kidding. You ain't kidding. <laughs> and that give them that give hey that give your tenants a little peace of mind too. Yeah, it definitely do. And I I actually got a tenant that's uh, going through the whole uh, background check right now that came through the program. But this is a beautiful thing about that program. They pay you holding fees in the amount of each month rent until they find the tenant. Wow. Okay. They've been paying me since January. Wow. Oh, nice. So you said the name of that program was All Chicago. Yep, it's called All Chicago. I was actually just on a um, a Zoom call with them yesterday. Okay. 
So now I'm a direct referral source for all of Chicago because like basically anyone that wants to plug into the program, I put them into the spreadsheet, they contact them. And now they know all these people come through me because I already referred about seven people over to them, like leasing agents, um, property owners, all, all types of people. I've, I referred quite a few people over and they say, you know, you, you're serious. So they put me on that call. I'm, I'm listening to these guys. Yeah, we own 40 units. And it, I, well, I got one unit. I'm nowhere near where y'all at, but I have a <laughs> network. <laughs> hey, hold, hey, hold on. I'm, I'm going to stop you real, real quick, Ray. Ain't okay. no difference between you and that 40 unit owner. You know why I'm going to tell mm-hmm. you that? Why? It's coming. <laughs> it's yeah, coming. it's definitely oh, coming. Yeah. It's definitely coming. <laughs> You know, because what one time what I see a lot of people, and this is I'm glad you make that point. I've had some people reach out to me and they'll say, Oh man, all I got is this one little multi-unit, but I know people that's got 80 doors and they're like younger than me. And I said, Well, that's cool. Well, you don't know what their situation of life was. Did somebody give them an opportunity? Did somebody give them that stuff and they flipped it, made it happen? You don't know. Mm-hmm. So don't compare yourself to that person. Look at your situation now and see, hey, how do I get to where that person is? I think that's the mind flip that a lot of us need to have. That is so true. That is so true. Thank you for that, brother. Of course, of course. And plus, I'm, I'm just listen, I'm listening to all the stuff that you're doing, man. And I, I just what what I really like that you do is you have relationships. And we always say on this show that starts with a conversation. You don't know who <laughs> the person is next to you. And you're in a room with. You don't know what that person knows. Who they know. And I think that that's another thing that in this community, we have to do a better job of, of leveraging relationships and networking and understanding, hey, I don't I only know what I know, right? So sometimes there's somebody that that be next to you that can tap you into something that you might not even know about, right? That is so true. And I think that that's the thing that I'm hearing from you that you've done in your career. So, man, I, I, I definitely salute you on that. You mentioned that the Inglewood numbers are rising and you were saying, that, hey, you know what? You tapped into that Inglewood market. Would you say that for you, was it more of the buy the block back mentality because you saw what they've done to Bronzeville and some of the other areas on the South side? Or what was it that made you say, this is where I'm going to have my first property at? It was definitely the buy the block back mentality. And, you know, like, just to be honest, um, I didn't always have that mentality. Okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. When I was in college, like coming out of high school, going into college, going through college and everything, I kind of picture myself um, getting this really great paying job, moving to the suburbs somewhere, starting a family with the white picket fence, with the huge yard and everything. I was going <laughs> to leave the hood. Yeah. Uh-oh, okay. <laughs> but, you know, like life circumstances uh, hit. I, I could thank the Heavenly Father for the experiences that I've went through because they kept me where I need to be. Okay. Instead of me like moving away and everything, it kept me right in the hood. So I stayed in re- related to the people, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I saw a lot of the issues, a lot of the different economic issues. I went through it. Like it took me over a year after I graduated from college to find a job in my field. So I was literally delivering flowers in the morning, selling energy door to door during the day, and slinging boxes of UPS overnight. Just Damn. trying to make it. Oh, wow. It. Just trying to make it. He was wow. out there, bro. He's out there going door to door. 
man. And, you know, I, I wasn't treated nice. Oh, trust <laughs> me, I know you were. <laughs> I know you were. Especially with them. You, you, you don't know how many times people be coming and ringing your door about that energy stuff. You're like, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with hey, my Ray, energy up in here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ray, where'd you go? Hey, hey, Ray, where'd you go around and say, hey, can I look at your, your previous uh, 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 bill, energy bill? Hey, hey that's exactly it. what I would do. I would come and I say, look, uh, I'd I like to uh, take a look at your uh, energy bill to see if... Uh, you know like i i kind of did a little more though because like most people they're just coming in with the quick approach so they can get to the next door yeah i really want to educate the people okay so there you go i would sit there, there and i spend more time and i'm really breaking it down so that they really understood it and they would tell me like man you don't gotta do all that they're not gonna listen they, they don't know what they something like look this is how I do it. Like I, I like the like I'm really genuine with it. I, I I don't want just to say I want them to know what they get. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So Bray, what I like about that, and I you know I'm in sales. What a lot of times what, what you were doing with that energy role, that's a transactional sale. You're trying to get people to buy and do that on emotion, right? Yeah. You were taking a consultative approach, which in that business they don't want you doing it. They like no, you could be going about seven other doors by the time you having this twenty minute conversation. But exactly. what I took from that, listening to you do that, is even if the person didn't do it, that's a conversation with somebody who probably looks at that professional a little differently after interacting with you. And I think that that's important. That's a great, that's a great story. Yeah, thank you, brother. That's a really good story. So one thing that I want our audience to kind of just listen to on this situation with Ray. So now he's heavily involved in real estate, but he mentioned that he got into the real estate game in 2016. That was five years ago. So for anybody that's listening to this show and they're thinking about, you know, kind of dipping their toe in the waters here, do it because he's been in the game for five years and he's learned a lot. He's also kind of dealt with a lot of challenges. But at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. you have to put yourself out there if you want to have some sort of impact, because one thing is we can all say, hey, you know, we got the good high paying job and that's great. But I think that in this world, if you don't have multiple revenue sources going for you and working for you, then what are you really doing? And I think that that's the, the thing that I want people to listen to and hear in this conversation. That is so true. Multiple streams of income is critical at this point. Very critical. Like It's made a huge difference in my life, especially within the last couple of years since I've been really getting back on my feet to where I need to be. It's mandatory. You, you need multiple streams of income. If you're raising a family, like, man, you probably need 10 to, 10 to 15 streams. And everybody need to be doing some kind of, like even the kids need to be making some money online or something, you know? Oh, <laughs> they need they need to be monetizing Instagram or TikTok. They need to be doing something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're kidding? Because we, we were talking about it earlier. How this the social media is out here? Well, shit, use that social media for good and yeah, make some money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, don't be doing it for clout. Shit, do it for some money. <laughs> right. You do it for some money. You go get the clout. Oh, it's gonna come. It's gonna right. come. It's gonna come. Yeah. Especially if something somebody like and interested. Oh, yeah, it's coming. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. What would you say, Ray, has been your biggest, I think, challenge with being able to move maybe a little quicker with some of the moves that you want to make with the real estate? Networking. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like anything you do, it's all about your network. Your network is your net worth. 
when you have the right network in place, everything's already there. You know, like if you got you got your lender over here, you have your uh, contractors over here, you have your investors over here. It, it's very important to have that network. If you got the right network in place, you can move very quickly. Now that makes sense. And then you even mentioned with your work with All Chicago, you said, look, I got a network of real estate professionals. And that stood out to me from that conversation because you're leveraging your network in this relationship that you have. And they're seeing, hey, this guy right here, he's pretty sharp. He got something that he can bring value-wise to what we're doing here. And I think that that's important, you know? Yeah, it's definitely important. And who knows where this relationship is going to go? Because I don't know if they're going to continue get funding. Uh, right now, all Chicago, they're basically getting funding to empty people out of these homeless shelters to get them from living on top of one another and put them into nice, clean units mm-hmm, all across mm-hmm. the Chicagoland area. But all Chicago might become some kind of global conglomerate one day. Who knows? Right. So imagine being plugged into that, but you started with the ground floor with these people. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. And the thing about it is, is that you you just doing it just to help people. You did it to help out your ex-tenant, right? Yep. Because I, I wonder, too, with a lot of people in 2020 that were losing jobs because of the virus and, and the pandemic, I wondered how many, not only uh, tenants, but how many landlords were out here just like bleeding cash during that time? It's a lot of landlords. It, it's been some horror stories that some landlords have been through. Like I have a neighbor next door. He has a four-unit building. Mm-hmm. And he had a tenant that wasn't paying during the pandemic. Then the tenants tore up the place. Uh, mm-hmm. He was finally able to uh, get them out some type of way. They came back, kicked the door in. So now he got to put about ten to 15000 into the unit to get it ready again to rent. So I'm thankful I haven't had to go through anything like that. Yeah. Hey, 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 Ray, that's that's good, man, because you know what I do, man? I go on a lot of landlord-tenant disputes, and even the landlords are starting to just cut the, which they're not supposed to, but cut the water and power and electricity off to get them out because they're not paying. Not only are they not paying, they're tearing up the property. So it's costing them more to fix and keep maintaining because they're losing money too because they ain't getting paid by their tenants. Then they had to play double. Then also the tenants also uh, tearing up the place. So that's extra money. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I see what they go through. Yeah, you know, some of these landlords, um, if you don't get that rent from that tenant that month, like, that really puts you into a bind because about three years ago, I was in the bind. I nearly lost my building. I got um, about three or four months behind because my tenant had got behind. Mm-hmm. Like he had, he had invested money into something instead of paying the rent. So he kind of messed up. Like he didn't have any way to get it. Like I was nervous every day. I said, man, I ain't worked so hard to get here and, here we are, because at the time I wasn't working. So I was counting on that rental income to pay the mortgage. What I ended up having to do was I took out a high interest loan, paid that down. Then eventually I was able to get a grant that actually paid the rest of the back uh, mortgage. And I was straight from there. But that high interest loan, I just got it paid off last year when I got a, um, a business grant. Right away, I wiped that out and paid my truck off, and that freed up over eight hundred bucks a month. Oh, good! 
See, that's awesome because audience, the, the thing that Ray is re- referring to is house hacking. And that's basically in his property where he lives in one unit and rents out the other. So a lot of times for a lot of the, the landlords in this situation is that person really is helping you to have a lower payment on your on your home. And it's helping you to build up equity in the property. And so, Ray, I don't even know what right. your plan is long term with this. But a lot of people that I talk to will then take the equity out of, like, said a property and then they go on to the next one. I mean, I'm not sure kind of how your strategy is, but that's what I understand for a lot of people to kind of do a similar strategy to what you've done with this initial property. You know, I am considering it's still kind of up in the air. I'm on the fence. I don't know if I want to pull the equity out or not. But if I do pull the equity out, it's got to be a, a move that's definitely going to make sense. What would that look like for you, then? Because I'd, I'd be kind of curious to kind of know your thoughts when you're kind of looking at, hey, is this worth it? Is this something that I would pull the trigger in and why? You know what I mean? So say, for instance, um, I'm actually looking to have my second property or at least be working on my second property by the end of this year. Okay. Uh, depending on the area that it's in, if it's like a high numbers area or whatnot, and the property's in really good shape, then I'll probably consider pulling some equity out of this to grab that next. Okay. Okay. That makes like, sense. I, if I don't have to, I, I want to keep the equity intact because, you know, like I've seen a lot of mistakes that my mom has made with her building. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and I've learned a lot about it where like she's pulled out equity time and time again. The building should have been paid off. She only owe about sixty five thousand on it now, but now she's up there in age. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. wants to um, leave and get a condo. I'm working with her to try to help her get that done. Even if I got a co-sign for, I'm gonna do it. But, you know, she's retired now, MS, right. getting a uh, once a month check. My concern is how the bank's gonna look at her. That's yeah. why I know I'm probably gonna have to use my income to help her, and I'll definitely do it. But if the building was handled the right way. Like if you pull out the equity, use it to do updates for the building. Don't use it to pay bills or go shopping or whatnot. I mean, it's okay to pay bills, but majority of it has to, to keep that property in a place to where it could keep bringing you income. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I would say for me, yeah, Ray, I, I, I think if you're going to touch anything equity-wise, it has to go to the next opportunities. That's just the way that I see it, you know? And, and so I was just kind of curious to your thoughts, because you mentioned earlier the Woodlawn project that you guys kicked off in 2019, and you talked about why you guys went into that. And I think that's important because a lot of times people want to get into the rental game and they want to basically start investing, but they don't really take the time to really study these areas, study the numbers and understand what they're getting themselves into. Yeah, you definitely got to do your research and do your homework on it. And you definitely want to plug up with professionals on it so that they can educate you on it. Like, I got a whole team for anyone that's listening. Uh, we even help people buy properties where one of my cousins, he literally went from living in his mother-in-law's basement with his family to buying a five-bedroom house where he has more than enough room for him, his wife, his kids, and his dogs. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And he's been so damn happy ever since. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> he, he thanks me all the time. He said, man, I'm glad I listened to you. I'm glad I listened to you. <laughs> he, he happy that he got up out of his mother-in-law's crib. That's what he happy Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> hey. 
Hey, that dude was getting it from both angles, his wife and mother-in-law. Right. <laughs> and, and, and probably them damn dogs, too. Shit, everybody was mad over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 Ray, I'm surprised when he see you, he don't kiss you, boy. <laughs> he, he damn near want to. <laughs> like, every time you see me, he, he give me the hardest handshake. The hardest thank you, cuz. Thank you. <laughs> I, hope you don't have that up, I hope you don't have that handshake like Big Frank. Remember Big Frank? Yeah, oh, yeah. He yeah. got that Big Frank handshake. Oh, Lord. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry to hear that, Ray. Just, Golly. <laughs> you just, right. Your hand just be crushed and you're like, Man. <laughs> that boy, at, that boy and, at fifteen had a grown man handshake, dude. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> man, boy, that brother man. would crush your hand trying to shake your hand, dude. Right, man. So, right. So, you mentioned earlier that you know your your um, property there is in Inglewood. Are you familiar with the uh, Inglewood Development Group that that uh that does work over there in that in that area? It's actually a couple of uh, Inglewood development groups. Okay. The one that I'm most familiar with is the one that kind of runs through Rage Residents, yep. Resident Association of Greater Inglewood. Yep. It's mm-hmm. headed by mm-hmm. uh, Aisha Butler. I'm yeah, very mm-hmm. familiar with her. Okay. Then Dion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, yeah, you know what's up. So did you, you know that they put up that? Uh, it's a two flat that they put over there. It's on uh, 62nd and Bishop. Uh, yeah, they, they sure did. Yep. Yeah, so they they unveiled it. It might have been like in December or something like that. And so we we talked about them a little bit earlier yep. in the season. But one thing that we talked to our audience about was the fact that they bought that pro that project or the building for ten thousand dollars. Yeah, and they so, did. Yeah, and and so that's another thing too that I just want people to understand. Before we allow other people to come in and take our communities, there's the opportunity for us to jump in. And do it ourselves and actually have that sense of ownership from where we come from. Because if outside people see value in our community, then why don't we? And I think that when I saw the work Mm -hmm. that they did, I said, man, I want more of us to do this, man. Pulling our resources together, like Raymond mentioned, with his network, we all got to do that. We all got to start to work together and pull together because they do it. Why don't we do it? Yeah, you know, I've been trying to convince brothers to do that for years, man. Um, even over there in the community where I grew up at, I I was telling brothers back then, like, man, like even street brothers that was making dope money and whatnot, like, man, mm-hmm. taking money up, grab you some of these properties, do the right thing with it, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And right. like now that whole community is Hispanic now. And sometimes some of us get uh, angry at this thing. It's, it's no reason to get mad at them. They oh. took advantage of an opportunity. Right. We mm-hmm. need to do it more, you know? And I think that's the, the big silver lining here is don't sit back and keep allowing people to take something from you. Take it, take, take what you want. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's and, enough uh, for us all. It's enough for us all, man. Because mm-hmm. I'll tell you one thing, man. That's a sense of empowerment for anybody that, when you talk to anybody that owns their property and they have investments or they have a building, when you listen to them talk about that, you can just see like the smile on their face when they talk about it, man. There's empowerment in that, right? And my thing is, maybe we wouldn't see some of the bullshit that we see in our areas if maybe people felt more sense of pride and ownership and where they come from, right? We definitely would see a lot of the bullshit (laughs) if we took more, uh, like we, we have to take more ownership 
we also got to get more involved politically. Like we have to um, like at least try to plug into these different community meetings. Mm-hmm. If we got an alderman in the area that's not doing the job, we need to create a voters block, get their ass out of there, you know? Yep. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. Because we were just talking on the last episode, Ray. We we did an episode. There are these 51 women over the course of the last 20 years that have been murdered in Chicago. And, you know, politicians, law enforcement, they've all been pretty, you know, lukewarm and even caring about the case. And I talked about the fact that I've been making calls, sending emails, doing all this stuff, and ain't nobody hitting me back, right? So after we did that episode, dude, we had about 10 to 15 listeners that hit me up and was like, hey, I'm going to now start doing that. We have to hold people more accountable to doing things, to to helping us to actually see the the potential that I think I know that's in these areas and these communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all these areas have a like they have great potential. We just have to activate within the communities because too many times uh, we let like the politicians or tell us what we can do, what we can or can't do in the community. Like we got to come together as people mm-hmm. and show them like. We're going to do this, like, as long as it's possible, of course. And I would say, too, I would love to see more individuals that have come up that create these opportunities, right? So why can't we create an infrastructure within our community to basically shift our person power, to help back some of these Black-owned businesses? So we had an entrepreneur, Ray, that was on the show a couple weeks ago who started, like, a vegan lifestyle restaurant and she put it on the south side and i think that Mm -hmm. stuff like that we don't have these type of places in our communities no we don't we need more places like that i think about that every time i ride up and down like especially like 59th street here Mm -hmm. uh, it's very desolate now business wise Mm -hmm. 20 30 years ago you saw a lot of businesses there like anything that caters to the community we need we need more pet stores like we have pet stores in the community um like dog grooming, a lot of us probably groom our own dogs, so maybe that wouldn't succeed. But anything that will succeed. What about animal hospitals? Where are the vet clinics? You know, exactly. I mean? We need yeah. more of those. Yep. What I think about where I live at, you drive down the street, you see here's one, here's another one. They're all over the place. <laughs> you know. Right. And it's not like that in, in the communities because you're right, Ray. Like when when I drive through there, and I'll just be looking, and I'm like, man, this is like a desert over here. What what happened to this place? What happened to that place? Yeah, the only thing you really see, you see a church on every corner. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's yeah. true. And a currency yeah, exchange. Really a lot of churches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the churches and the currency exchange, they take them out, out of the community. The payday exactly. loans. Oh, the payday yeah. loans, yeah. Dude, payday that, loans? See, oh, that, wow. See, right, now Ray spent now. He spent. <laughs> yeah, payday loans, man. Because you think about the type of business that they put into these communities. That money's not staying within the community because Jules and I talk right. about this all the time, Ray. Our mm. money leaves the community as soon as we get it. As soon as that thing hits our pockets, yeah. it's gone. Yep. It's gone. What, what, what was it, Perez? Like six hours? That dollar leave the black community? Six hours. I think it takes about six hours. <laughs> Man, it don't stay long. <laughs> That's why I love the fact that we do shows like this, having a guy like Ray come on here, man, because Ray has that same vision and passion that Jules and I have. I mean, audience... All three of us, we all grew up on the South Side. We all came up together. And so the thing about it is, mm-hmm. there's more brothers that are just like us out here. We can pull together and, and make something happen. 
You know, and that's the thing that I would like to see more of us working together and not working against each other, because that's what I see. And that's one of the problems that I see a lot of times with our community is that we sometimes hate on each other. We sometimes look down on one other. Ray, earlier we talked about the fact that you gave us a plug just off of the strength of our relationship and just basically being a good brother. Mm -hmm. I want to see you succeed, you know. I appreciate that. You you don't know how many people that we'll talk to about what we do here. They'll be like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, we need, need more excitement about it because people don't realize what you guys are doing. Like you're starting off on the ground floor, trying to get something going. I overstand it. Uh, overstand it. <laughs> like I said, I, I felt alone for a long time. <laughs> right. Mm. I don't anymore, you know? But you know what? I think I'm at the point, Ray, and I'm sure you already got to this point where I don't really care who's rocking with us because that's not going to stop what me and Jules is doing. Because there's a greater purpose for this podcast and this message that we want to put out there. So if anybody rocks with it, cool. We're going to still come on here every week. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Got to keep doing your thing. But we have been fortunate, man, that we have seen the growth. That growth has just been from a lot of people that I don't know. Like when we get these messages, Ray, it's humbling. We get people that hang on to the words that we're saying. You could tell they listen to every show. That's just humbling, bro. Because I can sit here and have a, a conversation with a random stranger about our show, but then somebody that I came up with, they sending me messages about something that's going on in the community. And I'm sitting here like, yeah, I know a show that talks about this same shit that you just sent me this article. <laughs> <on."> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying, y'all? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, I um I can actually relate with that uh to a certain degree because uh like I'm part of all types of organizations and I'm part of an organization over there in the community I grew up in where mm-hmm. a lot of the people that were the game bangers back in the day, they realized the mistakes that they made, they formed an organization to help and heal the community. And then they brought me on board because they found out about me when I was running for Alderman back in 2014. Right. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. that. And uh-huh. I came on board and I'm, now I'm best friends with all of them. We're, like, we're still working towards things. We used to do Stop the Violence marches and I would see people on social media talking about, yeah, y'all downtown march and everything uh, against the police. Why are you not marching when these kids getting killed? I was like, people are marching when the kids get killed. That's right. Talk to them, Ray. <laughs> Talk to them. It's, I, not I, I, it's, it's not televised. It's not televised. That's right. That's right. Because there's a bunch of uh, organizations with mothers that kids have died from that violence that are out here and have organizations, but the media don't talk about mm-hmm. that. No, they mm-hmm. don't because, like, it, it's basically an agenda, man, where um, they, like, it's money behind those organizations that push the, the whole uh, marches against the police. They have hidden agenda, mm-hmm. please. Yeah. Know? You can't really trust that. No, you can't. You can't. But I would say this. That's a big one that you brought up there because let's think about this. Not only do you have those type of agendas, but then you also have the bigger agenda that wants to position us as basically what's wrong with America, what's wrong with the city of Chicago. But people don't talk about the root issues with things that we talk about on the show with. These communities were snatched from us and then you expect people to not have pride in where they come from. They don't have pride because none of it, what they have is theirs. 
the thing that you're talking about with agendas is huge because there's so many different agendas that are going on at one time right now. And the people that are controlling this stuff don't look like any of us on this call right now. No, they don't. You know, and that's why I want us to stop fighting against each other because last year, even the year before that, when the political climate in this country, when the social justice unrest was going on, why are we fighting against each other? We should be working together. We should be building together. We should be trying to understand how we can be a part of the solution, right? But the way that these agendas work is they divide. And a lot of times they succeed because then you get this one person that they hang on to something they saw on a radio program or a TV program. And now they tell you how stupid and ignorant you are. You're like, well, wait a minute. We can agree to disagree. That don't mean we got to be enemies now because Jules and I on this show there's some times where he and I necessarily don't see things a certain way, but I think that that makes it compelling to have a discussion where there's alternate points of views. There's always going to be alternate points of views between like strong-minded people. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. Like none of us are going to see hundred percent eye to eye. The important part is being able to see the big picture and seeing how we can all work together. Exactly. hundred percent, brother. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Ray, I feel like, man, we could be on this damn podcast for two hours fucking around with you. <laughs> hey, man, you man. We, we definitely could. I mean, we could always <laughs> schedule more. You know, I'm, I'm always coming for you, brothers. All right, my man. Well, we're going to hold you to that. Don't 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 disappear when that phone rings. <laughs> yeah, I definitely won't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Big Ray. Hey, Ray, man. Dude, we definitely appreciate you, man. I want to say you have a big heart. You generally care. Yep. And man, that's why, man, you're at a position where you're about to, you're at the top and you're about to blow up, man, because your heart is at the right place, man. That's why God didn't want you to leave because he know he have a, a, a vessel there to to display that heart, to spread that love, that junior love, and also to educate and put people on, man. And man, dude, big, big shout out to you, man. Hey, thank you, brother. Huge shout out to you, Jules. Huge shout out to you, friends, for what y'all do with this show. And what y'all do outside of this show. Appreciate you on that man, for sure, man. Thanks, Ray. Hey, Ray, we're going to have to get up soon, brother, man. It's, it's, it's almost time for us all to come back outside soon. So you already know. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Hey, say the word. I'm there, brother. All right, my man. Appreciate you, fam. <laughs> love you. Hey, all love right, you, Ray. brother, too. All right, man. Uh, all right, Ray. Man, I always love the conversation with the real ones, oh, Jules. Man. Oh, yes, sir, man. Just look, just listen to him and his struggles and what he'd been through and and what he had to put himself to get to where he at. Amazing story. Amazing. <laughs> That's one of the things, too, that we always love to discuss on this show, Jules, is the fact that everybody's path is different, right? You may have one mm-hmm. person, their role to get into success was maybe a little bit easier than the next person, but it don't matter. You keep going, keep striving, keep pushing, don't quit, right? And if you listen from his story, he's like, he had a lot of challenges, a lot of ups and downs, but here he is still thriving. And he's now put, put himself in a position to really make some things happen out here within his oh, community. Yeah. And I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that too, man. You know, I heard a motivational speaker. I forgot it was Les Brown said the, the path of success is not a straight line. So you're going to have some, 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 some corners and some hills and valleys and stuff like that. But Man, just keep working at it like Ray did and everybody else that we had on the show. And and you see it. You see it. They tell you their stories and wow, man, this is just amazing. Man, I'm happy for him. I am too. And like you said, you you said it the best, man. He's just a he's a authentic brother, man. And 
I won't find anybody that will have anything bad to say about him. And I know sometimes people will say, oh, man, you can't find somebody to say wouldn't have a bad thing to say about some people. No, some people, they would. But with him, if I met anybody that would have a negative word to say about him, I'm like, man, something wrong with you. Because <laughs> that dude right there, he's just he's just the goods, man. A really, really good dude, man. I really appreciate him. And to be honest with you, even doing this episode, man, I, I mean, this weekend, man, it's tough. You know, I told you what's going on with me, but, you know, my grandmother passed mm-hmm. a, a year ago today. So just having mm-hmm. brothers, man, just a brotherhood, man, that, like this was good for my soul today. And so I appreciate both of you guys because this I'm just glad. felt great to do this. I appreciate that, Prez. And do I also want to say, man, I, I know you dedicate this podcast right here, the Pulling Back the Curtain podcast. You dedicate this to your grandma, for your grandmother. And I want to let you know that I know physically she's not here. Spiritually, she is. She's always in your heart. And I know she's telling you, she's looking down at you, saying that she she's so much proud of you and keep doing what you're doing. And I know and, and that she loves you. Man, I appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you. With that being said, Prez, go ahead, hit, hit him with that curtain call, man. This curtain call goes out to my late grandmother, Mary. She passed away on March 26, 2020, due to COVID complications. There hasn't been a day since her passing that I haven't thought about her, a moment that we had together, or something that she told me that still resonates with me today. My grandmother was one of the proudest and toughest people that I have been around in my entire life. As someone that I admired for never asking anything from anyone and always finding solutions to her problems. She valued education for all of her children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. She took pride in all of our accomplishments and achievements in life. You see, my grandmother wasn't able to finish school herself because she was forced to drop out to help her mother and father provide for their family. She would later migrate with my grandfather from Tennessee to Chicago to build a better life for her and her children. And I was a direct beneficiary of my grandmother's generosity. She provided a home for my mother, my brother, and I. And that's something that I'll always be thankful for. She also opened her home to any family that needed a place to stay. She never let family go without a place to live. One of the memorable things that I think of my grandmother was the fact that she drove from the south side of Chicago to Deerfield, Illinois. It's an 85-mile round-trip commute. And she did this commute for 20-plus years to her factory job at Sara Lee when she worked third shift. Now, she made this commute rain, sleet, or snow. Didn't matter. And I remember her telling stories of driving on these snow-covered roads that Jules and I always talk about on this show and how she would pray that she would make it to and from work safely. Now, she never called off work and took great pride in that fact. And when she retired, she was recognized for that feat. Another memorable thing that I think of when I think of time with my grandmother was every morning, She would get out of the bed, she would come, and she would put hands on my brother and I, and she would pray for us that we would have safe passage to and from school every day as we were navigating the inner city, you know, on public transportation. And now for any of our listeners that have heard Jules and I talk about this, some of these inner city streets, they're tough. And there's a lot of things that my brother and I saw just even trying to get to and from school. And I will tell you one thing, those morning prayers provided me with an inner peace and made me feel safe. I needed those prayers more than she ever knew. As I'm doing this curtain call, I'm still hurting and I'm fighting back tears. 
Gran, I will carry your memory with me for the rest of my days. Until we meet again, I miss you. Thank you for everything.